2: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting.
1: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: All right, everybody. Before we start the show today, I want to mention a show from Next Chapter Podcast, and I think all the film buffs out there are really going to dig Scopophilia. I watch a ton of movies, probably more than most people, but Becky Teller, the host of Scopophilia, might have them beat. That's why I love listening to her and her guests go deep on some of the biggest Hollywood hits. They pick their favorite films apart and analyze them with an added layer to the conversation. Along with discussing the content, they talk about how the world they grew up in shaped how they see cinema classics like Fight Club, Goodfellas, Garden State, Medea Goes to Prison, and Showgirls. So come on, join the millennial movie movement and listen to scopophilia wherever you listen to your pods or go to ncpodcast.com slash scopophilia to learn more i dare any of you to blindly listen to this and see if you can write the word scopophilia because that shit is difficult now back to the show
0: 500 The 500 J.A.M. been walking us down through that 2012 edition so it ain't nothing to you. Hundreds more to go and in need of a friend the King of these for Angelo talking the 500 until the end talking the
2: 500 until the end With my man Jim On the 500 Talking the 500 until the end
0: What's there to live for? Who needs the peace call?
2: The song! Is who needs the Peace Corps by the Mothers of Invention from the 1968 album? We're only in it for the money. Money, 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 money. It's also number 297 out of 500 on the 500. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Josh Adam Myers. I'm taking you through this little journey of Muzak, man. We're digging into the greats. And I am not a music critic. I am a comic. So I don't know shit. Uh, what I do know is I have got some dates where are we uh i will be at mohegan sun uh in connecticut uh this little thing called comics i think it's comics at mohegan sun october 5th through the 9th then i'll be at Skankfest vegas the uh, 14th through the 16th and then i'll be at the st louis funny bone october 20th through the 23rd i've got so many dates uh i just got back from toronto like literally i just got back i am exhausted Dude, I've seen so many concerts recently. Oh, wait. All tickets, you can find them at joshadammeyers.com. Come to the shows, man. It's music, it's comedy, it's com-om-ity. it's moo It's momity. Is that a new name? That's what I'm calling it. Um, but I've gone to see, since we've talked, man, I went to go see The Killers. I needed to rest my voice. My vocal cords have been fucked up, so uh, I am on strict vocal rest, so I only talk when I get paid. So I did this show in Toronto. And then I immediately went to go see The Killers. Just saying it right now. Brandon Flowers has bar mitzvah DJ energy. He is a great front man, but with the jacket and all the movements, I thought he was going to get everybody to do the cha-cha slide. Love the concert. I'm going to see Mars Volta on Friday and maybe Saturday. Listen to that new Mars Volta record. It's really good, man. It's like their attempt at making a pop record. There's so much to talk about, but... You know, I just want to tell you about the Patreon. Have you subscribed? Patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast. You get a bunch of free shit and you get to support this show, help support this show. There's so many great people, Emily. We love her. She's the reason we get incredible guests. We love you, Emily. Thank you. And we need to pay her because she's not doing this shit for free. So when you pay $5 or more a month, you get a bunch of hoodies, you get some merch. You also get to ask questions to the guests. Plus you get to help support the show and pay the people that work on it. So give us your money, please. Dear God, we need it. Uh, but patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast, $5. You've got $5. I shouldn't be yelling. My voice is in bad shape. Um, all right. The mothers of invention, Frank Zappa. I am not a huge Zappa fan. And I know that's gonna be a surprise to everybody. Because <laughs> I'm always such a huge fan. I know so much about all the artists. But that is why you get a guest like we have today. The one and only Joe DeRosa. Joe is one of my closest friends. Uh, he's an incredible stand-up comic. He's got uh, seven different stand-up comedy records, the latest being 2020's The Voice I Can't Ignore. He has been on he's on Better Call Saul. He's got an incredible podcast with Sal Volcano called Taste Buds. Uh, He owns a fucking sandwich shop in the Lower East Side. I love Joe. He's one of the most opinionated people I've ever met. And uh, I was really excited to have him on to talk about Zappa, because he literally has Zappa Lives tattooed on his arm. So this is a fun one. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500. Listen free on all platforms, and it's everywhere you get your podcasts. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. I post clips daily, man on the street, stand up music. It's everything. Uh, follow me, man. I'm, I'm really building my following and I love it. I love seeing you guys come out to the shows, man. I love it. I'm really seeing a huge difference since I started posting clips. So I'm going to keep doing it. We're going to keep building this police army, y'all. Uh, Josh Adam Myers.com for all tickets. Uh, if you want to email the podcast, email us at 500 podcastgmailcom at gmail.com. Follow the Facebook group run by Crazy Evan. Thank you, Evan, for giving me all those goodies uh, while I was in Toronto. Uh, I don't understand why you sent me a Ryan Sickler ceramic piece and also the chamois you wrapped everything in. That's what I'm really happy about, Evan. So thank you, buddy. And if you want to go to our website, it's the500podcast.com. That's what we got everything. So let's do it. Mothers of Invention coming in at number 297. We're only in it for the money. Dude. I can't believe we're doing this. We are finally here doing your god, Frankis Oliver Zappa. Oliver, I didn't know that. That's not his name. Oh, (laughs) all right. Dude, you know what's so funny uh, about Frank Zappa? This is, everybody that I dig that likes music loves Zappa. And the only real connection that I feel like I have to him is the fact that he is from Baltimore. Okay. And that's it. All right. And is that weird? No. Why is it weird? I don't know. I just, it's, this is one of those things where it's like, uh, people would assume that I love Frank Zappa. People would assume that I love everything about his music, that I know all of his catalog. Right. Uh, the main connection, I think, besides the Baltimore thing, is that Chris Norton, uh, the keyboardist that plays in the goddamn Comedy Jam, yeah, yeah. played with uh, Dweezil in Zappa plays Zappa.
1: Yeah, no, I know. I, I, I. That's how I met Dweezil and Moon. Oh, really? Yeah, because Chris got me. You know, I was friends with Chris from the Jam, and then he invited me to the show. Yeah, and I went backstage after met Weasel, met Moon in person. Moon followed me. We followed each other on Twitter. I hope, I think we still do. You uh, think <laughs> she
2: unfollowed you? <laughs> she saw yeah. some of your apocalyptic rants and she was like, this yeah. motherfucker. It's funny,
1: man, I never met her uh, bef- before. And um, she, she wrote to me, not wrote to me, she tweeted at me once that she adored me, meaning, I, th- I guess, meaning my comedy, obviously. Uh, well, not your lovable personality Yeah, yeah I, I don't think she was expressing <laughs> brave sunshine of hope Yeah, yeah <laughs> But I mean that was like a huge day for me Because it's, it's like the Zappa clan And she's part of the I think she's awesome anyway Because, you know, I'm a big horror movie fan She's in a cool horror movie called Nightmares That I like a lot Yeah, you like those
2: deep cut horror movies, dude. You like like if I was like, "Oh, dude, Nightmare on Elm Street's great," you'd be like, "That's fucking capitalistic Uh,
1: bullshit." No, I take all that back that josh is referring to the other night when i said that rage against the machine was uh go finish it you can finish it because i want everybody to know (laughs) go ahead (laughs) i i repeated what a friend of me mine said to me many years ago they are the machine they yeah i I mean really you're you're gonna you're gonna no look they you you
2: you become successful you start making money and then it just evolves and you can't just say you know what we don't want any of this what you do is you give away as much as you can you still live a affluent lifestyle because you worked hard for it yeah i agree. But But at the same time, we all eventually, I mean, what artists stay true besides who you made a good point, Tom Cruise, who has never said like, he's like, I donate money, but I'm just a rich dude that likes to jump out of
1: airplanes and helicopters and do crazy shit. He kind of just owns it. He owns it. But I also think that, and we won't get stuck on this. I also think that that's a bad counter argument, A, 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 a counter argument to being virtuous or whatever you want to call it shouldn't be well nobody is so who cares that's that's defeatist like the the i was in a bad particular bit and by the way thank you because i was in a particularly bad way the other night i was dealing with some very personal things that i won't talk about here or that i can't talk about here really um but I was in a very bad way. You were amazing. You talked me down off the ledge. You gave me some amazing advice. You gave, I talked to you about you today to my therapist and I said, "My friend gave me great advice and it wasn't about him. It was it was for me to help me." Cuz a lot of the time when people give you a lot, you know, they give you advice, it's really for them. Yeah, you know, they're talking about their life and and
2: this you know, is my experience and how I got through my thing and right. maybe this will help you. But it's well, still just it, talking it, about themselves.
1: Yeah. And like, yeah, it kind of becomes about like, oh, you're justifying your own problems right now by talking to me about my, you know, and it's look, it's it's a human thing to do. It's hard not to do it. I do it. some we all do it. But uh, but you gave me really, really grounded advice. It's helped. It, it's, it's had an impact greatly over the last week. Yes. But I was in a very bad way when we were talking, and I was kind of attacking everything. Everything, and I went off <laughs> way too hard about Rage Against the Machine. Dude, I was. Like, I Ra- like Rage Against the Machine. I Man. know I like, you do. I, you know, like, but I just was in such a foul. I was, I was Mood. like, I was
2: like, dude. There's so many great things in the world. There's, you know, God. It's like you can go out and see nature. There's Malala. You're like, fuck nature and fuck that Indian bitch. Like shit. I know he didn't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just throwing anything yeah, beautiful. Yeah. No, it's funny though. Which is so funny that we are talking about a record today that really is mocking all of that positive shit that came from the 60s. Uh, yeah, it does. It does we, go out a lot of. We're it. in this for the money, but before we even get into any of that. I've always looked at you as such a hip-hop rooted fan you are yeah yeah you are you are hip-hop in in just full circle just like everything you know it you love it you respect it you love the lyricism and yet Zappa is Zappa lives is tattooed on your arm yeah so so just tell me the development of that how does how does Frank Zappa get on
1: to your right arm well I have a, an interesting sort of history with his music. Um, when I first heard it, I I loathed it. I, I hated it. I, I really, really hated it. And I, my friend Dan Weinstein was into it. And he would play it around me when we were, he was a freshman in college, I was in 12th grade. And he would play it around us and I would sc- I would scream about how much it sucked and make fun of it, <laughs> whatever. so you know? easy to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And then one day something kind of, I don't know what it is, but sometimes like that thing gets, it gets a hook in you and you start to say, well, this thing that I don't fully understand, I'm now find that I hated, you go from, I hate it to, I don't think I understand it to, well, now it's sort of intriguing
2: what was intriguing about it. Like but, it? But because I, I can understand the mess of it, and don't—that's—I'm not, not calling his no, music no, a true. mess. Yeah. But you know, if you're a passive listener and you're used to, you know, verse, chorus, verse, you sure. put on Zappa, especially this record. You, which is my first Zappa record. Sure. It, it's it it is like,
1: oh God, like this is a mess. Well, it's—I mean, th- we're only in it for the money. I do think deserves to be on the 500 list. And I do think it is one of his greatest records. I also don't think it's a starter record. No. He has much more accessible stuff. If you listen to, uh, you know, even Dweezil, Zappa has said, when people ask for a starting point, he recommends Apostrophe and Overnight Sensation, which were eventually released together as a double album. But initially, they were separate records. Um, Those are the records that are first going to get into your bones because... You know, there's like a guitar riff that you like, or or there's a catchy hook. You know, Tina Turner sings sings on "Dirty Love" and "We
0: Don't Need Another Hero."
2: You know, oh, God, so, I can't, my voice is trash, man. I could nail that two months ago, dude.
1: So, you know, like just like stuff like there's 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 accessible stuff, and that's what hooked me and you know it's like anything else it's 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 like any other journey you go on it's it's like it's like you 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 hate wine until until you like a glass of it and then all of a sudden you go okay well i like this bottle and this is a good starter like i'm like i'm sort of getting into cigars a little bit not yeah. a ton but i do enjoy them now and i never did before so i spoke to cigar with ari yesterday shafir mm-hmm. and I was like, so I bought this cigar. I went to the store. I said to the man, this is where I'm at. What do you recommend? He gave me this $10 cigar, and I bought it. And Ari was like, that's a great starter cigar. You're good there. And then Ari taught me a few things. And some of it I was like, too advanced, bro. Step back. I don't care. Yeah. Some of it was like, oh, that's helpful. Now let me kind of think about it along those lines. And that's exactly what happened to me with Zappa. The, I, I, I. I, it was a thing I didn't like. I hated. Then I, when I did like it, it was because there was an accessible thing that I experienced that I enjoyed, uh, a few of the songs. And then those songs tipped me enough in the direction that I knew there was a world to this. And I was like, okay, when I'm ready, I will explore that world. And slowly but surely, I did, which is interesting because Zappa's favorite musician was Edgar Varese. And he has a very similar story about, and I didn't know this when I got into Zappa, but when I heard Zappa's story about Edgar Varese, it was not dissimilar to what I'm saying. Who is, who is, I don't know who that is. Edgar Varese is an experimental modern composer. He's dead now. Did a lot of stuff with like metallic noise and like sound montages. And it's very, very dissident composition. Like it's very... It's certainly not dinner music. Let's put it that way. You know, it's challenging <laughs> yeah. shit. Uh, uh, like, <laughs> honey, uh, would you want to bring the dog? Up? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he said he bought the record because he saw it in a bin when he was young, and there was this guy on the front that looked like a mad scientist, who was Edgar Varese. It's Varese, I don't know how to say it. And he said the first time he heard it, he was like, this is awful, I hate it. And then he said it slowly grew on him, and the next thing he knew he loved it and was obsessed with it and that's what happened with zappa that's what happens to me with a lot of music i end up loving
2: who else who else is like you, you were turned off from and now you
1: love faith the morns a great example of of a more mainstream band that had some song i always i never was a big fan of epic really um i, I like it a now culmination
2: of two like rock good I, rock I, music rap and, rap. and
1: and I've said for years the only rap rock I will tolerate is Rage Against the Machine. It's I I can't stand rap rock, and I hate any rap outside of the roots that has a live band. I don't like it. I just don't like it. To me, it's not what the music is supposed to be.
2: But what about something like Nas Illmatic with the that's the, cool the symphony orchestra that, that he cool. did? Because I thought that was great.
1: Yeah, something like that's cool. But if I go to see like like sometime, like like Public Enemy has a live band with them now. But they play the the track yeah the band plays over it but if i had my druthers i would just have public enemy with a record playing i don't want to see a band no and then that's nothing against their band i just i love the craft of of the sample and the construction i love the way it sounds so it's kind of like you know you know if the dead kennedys finally reunited with Jello biafra and the only place they ever they were going to perform was at a shiny auditorium, I would go, and I would enjoy it, but I'd enjoy it a fuck of a lot more if they were in a club that made them sound a little crunchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, whatever. So so anyway, my point is, um, Faith No More was a band like, and it's interesting, some bands, it's the opposite of Zappa. I hear the poppy thing, the most mainstream thing, Faith No More, epic, and I fucking hate it. And then somebody plays me one of the deeper things, and I go, wait, that's kind of cool. What is that? That's yeah. Faith No More? So that's what happened to me with Zappa, except in the opposite. I heard... Wait, I want to. I just want to know, what was the deeper thing by Faith No Faith More? More? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a song called off of their... Th- well, so their third record with Mike Patton as the lead singer yeah, was called King, King for, for a, a Day. Day full yeah, for a Lifetime, yeah. Which is an amazing record. But I heard, you know, that came out, dude. And I worked in a record store when that came out, and I remember of you did. being. Oh, yeah.
2: God, I bet you were just that. Oh, you were Jack Black, dude, in High Fidelity. <laughs>
1: really? This is what you're gonna buy? You're gonna buy? I this? absolutely was. Of I course you. Was. Was. I know yeah. you.
2: Um,
1: but I remember that came. I remember taking that record out of the box because I had to stock the new releases and re- and rolling my eyes and being like, "These guys are still putting out Rick," because I didn't know there was this whole other thing to them. You know? Mike Patton is God. He I, is I know. God. I, I would oh, I would most likely weep if I ever met him now. That's yeah, how much it, he dude, means Yeah, dude,
2: Ipecac Records. Like, I saw, like, when I saw the thing that Eric Andre got to interview him for, like, two hours, and he introduced him. That was one of the last concerts I saw before the pandemic yeah. was them doing, when Mr. Bungle doing uh, the, that Rabbit record that was one of their, like, EPs. Yeah, and, the, and, Ra- and it, the Wrath of the East. But, but it, for me, it was like, it, I, I thought it was going to be, like, the fun Mr. Bungle. I didn't realize it was the thrash thing. So I was a little, like, all right. But it's that's their only thrash record
1: but it's it was still amazing it was still great amazing but but their other records are even crazier but in the middle
2: of the uh, the fucking thrash concert they stopped and they did uh reunite or not reunited they did one of those like real lovey-dovey like doo-wop songs and his voice sounded so good and he's like all right now back to the record yeah
1: and it was incredible he um yeah the deeper so so that record king for a day came out and i was like you know they might as well have been fucking uh i'm trying to think of another it's funny they were they were sort of in that primus living color camp and yeah i stuck I with that. i stuck with living color you know i had a lot of people tell me that they thought that living color were one hit wonders and i was like you're fucking completely wrong there's all this other stuff they did that's that's better. as good as or better than cult of personality
2: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network.
1: was like, can you please like get me your discount on the new Faith and no More record? And I remember being like, why? You know, <laughs> and, uh, and I got it for him. And he played it around me. And there was a song called The Gentle Art of Making Enemies. Yep. And I was like, after the fourth time I heard it, I was like, this song is fucking awesome. What is this? And he was like, it's fucking Faith No More, asshole. I told you they were good. And that made me buy that record. Then I bought Angel Dust.
2: Which is brilliant.
1: Which I uh, changed
2: your whole perception of the band really is one of the, is a life changing record for you. I have a
1: list in my phone of the, like I've, I've sometimes I'll slowly add to it, but, but it's about 20 records that changed my life.
2: Give me, give me a couple of them just so I get an idea. I want to Angel see where, Dust,
1: Angel Dust, Mr. Bumble, California, I which, love, two patent records, yeah, yeah. Jesus, which is my favorite album of all time ever made, which is very like Zappa ish. Yeah, it is. Times. Which, and it's funny cause they're not, or at least patents on a app. He, he doesn't. He said in interviews like I don't dislike him, but I don't listen to it a lot, which is insane. But um, um, Run DMC raising hell. There you go. Uh, um, they might be Giants. Lincoln. Never heard that one, but it's incredible. Uh, th- um, uh, oh, Zappa, apostrophe overnight sensation, um. I think "Injustice for All" is on it. Okay. Like these, these are records where, where. For me, uh, time stopped. So, for instance, what I mean by that is, it was it was all I could focus on when I heard it. It was all I could think about yeah. when I about listening to. California by Mister Bungle. I act and angel dust are the two that I can say the most about because I actively skipped class in college multiple times because I'd start listening to the record and I didn't want to stop. And I was like, fuck class. I'm going to just listen to this. Yeah. Not high, nothing. Just like, I'm just going to sit here. Like, that's what I mean. And Zappa, so, so circling now back to yeah, Zappa. Bring it back, yeah. Zach Zappa to me was the sort of gateway drug for all of this because outside of Zappa, at that age, how old? I was 18, okay. 17 or 18. Uh, the only non-rap music I was listening to was, I guess I had gotten into, maybe, maybe Faith No More had started to creep in at that point, I can't remember. But I liked Bad Religion.
0: You and me. Oh, that's what, yeah. Stranger
1: than fiction see. is one. Bad yeah. Religion. Um, but I, I, I liked Bad Religion. I liked The Offspring. <laughs>
2: oh God! All, I still right. like all the your,
1: all your shit just, just uh, You throw all that bullshit fine. out the window, I, man. Offspring's greatest hits will rock your. Were you? I'm not gonna say it's yeah, not. I went to the rooftop, you show. But I got I was, free tickets. I went. I, a, I got shit faced. at a blast. Did, were you there the <laughs> day they were at the stand? no i almost
2: went to meet them but no yeah we almost had noodles on and i i don't like dislike the offspring i just always i don't know it's like we, when i remember my first band we covered you know you gotta keep it separate because yeah, that so was my first band that was so big yeah. and it was so fun yeah um but i i just never i never got into them but what i do is i respect offspring yeah i respect that they were underground they never signed to a major label am i right like i think no, they're they're no they're but didn't but no did, after
1: Smash they went to but, Universal. But that
2: that record wasn't a major label, no, and that it popped.
1: Was, that record was Epitaph Records, okay. And they went to majors when everybody did. Green Day, they were a part of that whole thing. Okay, Bad Monday. Religion went to majors um, for a while. Then they went back to Epitaph, but um, but they um, but anyway, yeah. The point is, is I was not listening to a lot of non-rap music, and Zappa crept in and. And there was such a wealth there. And there was such a story there. And there was such, just the more you got into, the more you learned. And it, it just kept opening door after door after door. And then it, it gets into visual mediums after a while. And the movies he made, it, it just keeps going and fucking going and going. And then you start to get into the live records. And the live compositions are completely different from the studio ones, which is one of the reasons I love Tom Waits so much. Heart Attack and Vine is another record on that list. Um, it's like these, these, there were just, there were not worlds, there were universes to Zappa. And the reason. I was devastated that I never got to see him live. I started to go see Zappa tribute bands, some of them containing a lot of his alumni. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty amazing, because just to see people that were able to play the stuff was insane. It's so fucking complicated, Uh, so much of it is. Uh, And I was devastated, I never got to see him live, but his spirit and his credo spoke to me so much that I started to say, the two words in my head of Zappa lives like this concept, and and that was a sort of derivative of he used to say the modern day composer refuses to die and he was like the uh, composer everybody thinks to be a composer you have to be this dead white guy that this white guy that died two hundred years ago or whatever and he's like that's not true you can be a composer and that's what he ended his physical life on like was the yellow shark and he you know his orchestral stuff and all the crazy avant-garde shit he was doing electronically with this thing called the Sinclair um, but his that credo just infected me and I wanted to never forget it and I wanted and I it was something I sub- started to subscribe to before I did comedy but I was being artistic through music and other things and then when I got into comedy I got a t-shirt made that said Zappa Lives I lived with Jay I remember Okerson. And I remember showing him the T-shirt. And I remember Jay goes, that's badass. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, Because Jay wasn't a Zappa fan. I, th- I liked that he thought it looked cool. Yeah. Um, it's a cool tattoo. I mean, yeah, even then the way got it's it, written. It was my first tattoo. Really? I was like, I want it on my arm. I want to look down and see it to remind me. What that- a cool
2: tattoo to get for the first one. I got some fucking tribal bullshit I picked up <laughs> a wall because I could only afford a
1: $150 tattoo. <laughs> now it's so funny.
2: <laughs> it's fucking all covered up. That's wish- so funny.
1: I wish... You know, I got a Carlin one too, but that's on the back of my left arm, so I can't see it. And it kind not
2: kicking him in the nuts, yeah. dude.
1: What is that it? Yeah, that's it. That's the anagram for that. But it bothers I actually am sad that I can't see that. I wish I could see that. So I, I might get actually get that swapped out somewhere else. But anyway. I got it. The point is. That's the that was that was what hooked me in with Zappa. Yeah, isn't it... when I heard this record. Yeah, go ahead. We're only in it for the money. I was pretty well into my uh I- I- exploratory music phase yeah. meaning like i was getting into non hip hop music cuz that was all i did for so many years um and i was also into my uh, pot lifestyle part of my life which has I could see
2: this guy going what a great way to kind of experience all that music you're 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 into well, the
1: pot you're into now you're open musically when i, f- when I found this record I was smoking pot daily. Uh, I was playing music uh, in bands. I was playing experimental music with some friends. And then when I got, when I heard this record, I was like, because I mentioned They Might Be Giants. I was like, holy shit. That sounds like early They Might Be Giants and even more accurately, Ween. God, people love Ween. And I just, I only know a Little Daisies. I'm a Ween. Honestly, I'm a dabbler with Ween. I love them. Like, I respect the shit out of them. I could make a great Ween mix of the songs I know, but like, I don't own Ween records. I don't listen to them start to finish. But I liked, I liked anything like that. Like, I liked anything that was kind of offbeat. Like, I just, it it attracts me. I love... Is it because? Yeah. Is yeah. it not to cut you off, but is it because
2: knowing you and yeah. and I and I know you love a good art argument sure. about like this is my experience and here's your experience and let's talk about why I don't like this or why I like this and why you don't like this. Right? Um, is it? Be, do you think you're falling into loving Zappa because it is so not easy to digest?
1: No, no, only because there was plenty along the way where I was like I don't like this In there were records I bought that I hated even after I loved him Yeah, that I would return (laughs) and then rebuy them later and be like what was I thinking this is amazing like it all took time it just took fucking time like um, I get excited about when I mean it's hard now you get older you're 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 you try to stay open, but yeah, time is more precious. It's harder to get excited about exploring a big giant thing. Mm-hmm. The older you get, or harder. But Zappa, to me, like I said, it was like it was like the mo- the moment you realized you liked wine or whiskey or or French cinema or whatever, and you said to yourself, "There's this wealth out." there's this it's all there the last time that happened to me was with motorhead musically was with motorhead motorhead like i always liked motorhead I did, cold you know and, whatever yeah and then i watched the lemmy documentary and something like popped in my f- brain where i was like why the fuck yeah. am i not listening to motorhead <laughs> all the time and i went i already had ace of spades and i went out and bought i think bomber or overkill. I can't yeah, remember great records. Yeah, and I was like, "Holy shit!" And then I just started buying every Motorhead record, and I enjoyed that journey so much. And with Zappa, it was a, it was it was a similar journey. The difference is, and that's this is not to discount what Motorhead does, or or it's not a comparison or a contest. It's just with the Zappa journey, you not only get that journey, but it's also it's opposite. The great thing about Motorhead is they're fucking Motorhead without fail. Mm-hmm. So when you want to hear Motorhead, pick any Motorhead record, put it on, and you're going to get an awesome Motorhead record. Yeah, you That's are. what they do. Yeah. With Zappa, there was a real dice roll because you're like, well, this one's electronic, and it's like avant-garde jazz. You know, this one sounds like ween this one is jazz fusion from the 70s this one is more satirical and comedic pop songs this one is an R&B record like it's crazy yeah. this one's garage rock it's fucking crazy um and you know he had this thing anything anywhere uh i'm paraphrasing anything anywhere at any mo at any time for no reason whatsoever i just think that's what all art should be I think that's what the approach should be it should it should never I mean it's easy to say it should never right but but it should never that's what it is when at at its purest without without thought of reception without thought of his he won a Grammy for one of his least accessible records that's the one he won for jazz from hell. Like that's when he finally fucking won. And it was late in his career in life. That's when he won. And it's like the record that he made, like sitting at a computer, like literally orchestrating on a computer with no human beings. Like, so, you know, of all things like that and that's that just sums it all up perfectly
2: do you think they gave that to him kind of like the way they give it to they gave it to beck for morning phase or whatever it's called when they should have given it to him for odelay or sea change i don't might've... think
1: he was nominated before that i might really? be wrong well but, that's yeah. also
2: that could be like we got to
1: give him something we love him i know i think the album was just so undeniably good yeah f- for that category okay it's okay. not really for me is it jazz it's like it's like avant-garde jazz. There's a there's a there's a song called the single was called G Spot Tornado. Oh, I love the titles yeah, of all of his songs, man. Like you listen to it, dude, and it's fucking insanity.
2: I can feel it, you guys. This is one of the best conversations we've ever recorded, maybe in human history. And we'll be right back to it, but first. Let's just say that if you think our guest today is pretty cool, Next Chapter Podcast has another podcast in partnership with BasketballNews.com that's had an insane roster of guests dropping by lately. It's the Rex Chapman Show, co-hosted by the king of Twitter and NBA All-Star himself and Rex's best friend, actor Josh Hopkins from Cougar Town, True Detective, and CSI Miami. Seriously, y'all. Listen to this list of people from the world of pro sports, show business, and elsewhere that they've sat down with to talk with recently. Award-winning journalist and author Jamel Hill, football Hall of Famer Eric Dickerson, an international superstar and one of the best lyricists in the history of rap, Ice Cube. The episodes are funny, full of fascinating anecdotes, and give you an unguarded, authentic look into the lives of some of the most interesting people on the planet. So be sure to listen to The Rex Chapman Show wherever you get your pods, or visit basketballnews.com to watch videos of the show. And now, back to the 500. What was cool, I took a history of jazz course my senior year of college and the professor, we were getting into the later stages, so we're we're doing more of the out there jazz. And I remember he put on Frank Zappa and he goes, would you guys call this jazz? Mm-hmm. I forget what he played. And I think everybody commented, you know, yes, because it sounds like it's improvisation. It's it. And he was like, but there's there's elements of improvisation. But that's the thing about Zappa is that everything, because I was talking to Morty before this, because I don't know enough about Zappa and I wanted to come and at least have a guy right. that knows everything kind of give it to me. And and he said what what was so enthralling about him was that he loved the, he loved doo-wop just as much as he loved the old composers of classical music. Yeah, and yeah. so everything is like, he wrote it out of how he wanted it.
1: Yeah, a lot of, yeah, th- there's a lot of truth to that. He, he always put, like Stravinsky and Johnny Guitar Watson name. on the same palette. That was the pistol. name. Stravinsky. I just couldn't say it. Yeah. yeah um uh, you know, but but he's got like if like he's got a record called Make a Jazz Noise Here, which is excerpts from his eighty eight tour. Jazz excerpts. That's a true jazz record. It's it's people it's it's you know, there's the riff. There's the riff that gets the song going and then the band is soloing and all that stuff and taking turns. Like that's a pretty more or less like true jazz record. But jazz from hell, your teacher's you, right. Like that entire thing is note for note, fucking note. And people, and, and you know, look, it's hard to talk about this stuff without sounding like you're being arrogant and going, see, I understand. It's like, that's not what I'm trying to do. But there are plenty of people out there that would listen to jazz from hell and say, well, this is just noise. And, and it's like, no, it's not. There's actually hard science and music theory going on here. And every breath of this is there for, is happening for a reason. Uh, And that's what makes it even more insane. And that was the same reason I loved Bungle so much Mm -hmm. and still do. That was what I loved about Faith No More. It would be easy to put on a bunch of different Faith No More records and go, oh, so, so he just screams at this part? And it's like, no, 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 no he's using his voice as an instrument here and screaming in a very specific way that makes the part of this song work in its own way oh yeah there's science to all of it
2: hello tom may here host of future friday i've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band the menzingers where i've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people so i started a podcast On Future Friday, I talk to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like.
0: Hey, this is Scott from Fly on the Call. Each week I speak to a different musician, whether they're in an established band like Silverstein or The Wonder Years, or band on the rise like Spanish Love Songs, Origami Angel, or Meet Me at the Altar. We discuss music and lyrics, the successes and challenges of being in a band, and more, as we get to the core of each artist. The show features musicians of diverse genres and backgrounds, so there's always a chance I'll be talking to your new favorite band. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. So, um,
1: you know, that's the kind of shit I just like. Uh, you know, I, I, but I like... To to answer your question sorry. To answer your question, Good like on. I guess there's some, there is something intriguing to me about something way off the beaten path, not because it's weird, but because I, th- I because I get excited that I might discover something that nobody else knows about that's truly unique. Yeah, you know, and exciting. Like you know, and it's like when you're in the record store and you see and you see the mad scientist guy on the cover and you go what the fuck is this yeah like this looks so interesting and so cool and then you think wouldn't it be cool if i also loved it you know yeah 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 and then wouldn't it be cool if i had my friends over for wine and i got to pull out this record you put it on you guys you guys ever heard this it's good (laughs) shit
2: that was me with Miles Davis because I didn't like Miles Davis at first. Right. My dad used to listen to him, and then I, I, W uh, WPFW, the jazz station in DC, played like a whole Miles Davis weekend, and I was so sick of all my records. I started listening to it, and and then they and they they went from the modal to the to the hard bop and did all the stuff, and then they started getting into the fusion. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was just like, God, like, what is this? And I was so attracted to Bitches Brew more than anything. Mm-hmm. And the later records where he really got out there because I was like, this is the cool shit. This is the shit that's hard to listen to. And if I can dig that, then I must know music. And I might be
1: on a higher musical plane than other people. Well, Zappa at his best, and I think also Bungle at their best. Bungle is great. So Bungle is great when they're doing Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny because... They're a thrash metal band for that 90 minutes or whatever. Yeah. And they sound like they nail it. They nail They're it. They're as good as it, as it can be. Um, and they nail it, and it's amazing. Uh, Zappa, when he put his mind to, I'm going to do like a pop record and whatever, it's great. It's amazing. He nails it. But both of those be- uh, artists are at their best to me, and this is my favorite thing about Zappa and Bungle when they do it, is when they go over here for five minutes and then come back this way. So that's one of the reasons I never got into jazz, but I got into Zappa's version of jazz or take on jazz. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the time it goes over here and then it swings back in this other direction that you might not be expecting. And it's, it's a fun ride for me, like that's fun. I love, to me that's like the truest the truest version of fusion you know you you could say it about the beastie boys where it's like there's a record you know you're listening to the record and they're way over here doing like this one check one two one two thing yeah and then all of a sudden it's like a punk's thing going on yeah and and it's just that's what i always loved about it's funny zappa's uh earlier records in in particular this one i I always called a barrage of sound yeah, that's, yeah, perfect perfect way yeah. to to explain this because it is
2: all over the place and it doesn't stop. It no, it doesn't for, stop for thirty eight minutes. Yeah. It's like yeah.
1: that's how chic your booty is, which is another one of my favorite Zappa records. It doesn't stop. He never the gas never lets up, and I loved that's what I loved about Public Enemy. Like they oh, if you I, listen to the earlier yeah. records, particularly Fear of a Black Planet, it doesn't fucking stop it is an attack it's heavy metal I just I just had, did that episode with Tony
2: Rock and I was right. like this is like heavy metal rap it, but it's yeah. like without without fucking you know the actual guitar the, the use of all those noises it shouldn't
1: work but it works the second NWA record is like that the chronic is like that Um, there was so much that I loved about hip hop in Zappa when I started to like just approach wise yeah I was like oh I like this you know, it's funny. I, I never knew it existed, and I always, I always wanted to do a comedy record like that. And I talked to my reps about it, and I was like, I want to do a record where it's like there's like a comedy bit, and then it goes into a song, and then like, the, and then there's this weird insert, and then it goes into a sketch, and like it just never fucking stops. And I thought it was such an original idea, and then little did I know Dennis Leary already did it. His that's what that Dennis Leary has a record called Lock and Load, and that's what it is. Oh wow. It that's what it is. And it's like sound effects connecting everything. And so funny, you'd you wouldn't expect that from the guy from Rescue Me. Yeah. No. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You would expect it from you know Johnny Pemberton. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> Somebody exactly. weird. Some Somebody kid out from, there. in a coffee shop. Yeah. And it's like, No, Dennis Leary did it and he did it great. And it's a great record. And like, you know, so I, I just love that a uh, um. I love that kitchen sink approach to a record. It's, you know, we're only in it for the money. Sounds like something your buddies who you love, who are never going to get signed Recorded on their eight track (laughs) when
2: they were high, you know? yeah yeah,
1: yeah. Oh god. And it's it's awesome.
2: I took mushrooms last night. I went to go see the shins and I was like, this is a perfect concert to take mushrooms do. And I I woke up this morning and I was like, All right, you hit me up, you're like, we're gonna record today. And I was like, All right. And I'm in that like loving mood still. I feel the effects, like the healing properties of the mushrooms. And I put this on, I was like, Thank God I didn't listen to this last night, dude. This was this is (laughs) this is fucking everywhere. It's just everywhere all at once. And then the thing Themes of this, right? Because I, I want to, I want to really get into that because I have a really good question I I, I want to ask you about. So I got, I guess we have to talk about. Let me see, I got a little breakdown of what this record really is. Um, so this is uh, a studio album blah, came out in March in 1968. It was recorded in New York City, as with the band's first two efforts, it's a concept record, and this is what I wanted to get to. it's satires. Left and right wing politics, particularly the hippie subculture, as well as the Beatles' album *Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band*. uh It was conceived as part of a project called "No Commercial Potential," which produced three other albums: *Lumpy Gravy*, *Cruising with Reuben* and *The Jets*, and <laughs> *Uncle Meat*. What great titles, dude! Uncle Meat.
1: I mean, you want to talk about an insane fucking record, dude? Listen Is it? To Uncle, it's. It's nuts.
2: It's called it's called Uncle Meat. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. Man. I like Lumpy Gravy. Yeah. I think that's fucking rules. Lumpy Gravy's dude.
1: great, too. They, I think there's... I think there is a uh, double... I think Lumpy Gravy and Uncle Meat eventually got uh, released as a double record,
2: too. Yeah, that's what it says. I um, think. I'm, here, I think I have right here. It encompasses rock, spirit, middle, psychedelic rock orchestra segments deriving from the recording sessions for Lumpy Gravy. So I think they were all... I want to say they were all kind of recorded together. I might be wrong. From the beginning, Frank Zappa cultivated a role as voice of the freaks, imaginative outsiders who didn't fit comfortably into any group. We're only in it for the money is the ultimate expression of that sensibility, a satirical masterpiece that simultaneously skewered the hippies and the straights as prisoners of the same narrow minded, superficial phoniness. This is so fucking funny because what we were talking about the other night when we started getting out there, this is like Mm -hmm. fucking everything that's happening in the world today zappa's barbs were vicious and perceptive and not just humorously so his seemingly paranoid vision of author t- author authoritarian violence against the counterculture was born out two years later by the kent state killings like freak out we're only in it for the money essentially devotes its first half to satire and its second half to presenting alternatives um this is, I guess, I should read this too. Regardless of how dark the subject matter, there's a persuasive, a pervasively surreal, whimsical flavor to the music, sort of like *Sgt. Pepper* as a creepy nightmare. Some of the instruments and most of the vocals w- have been manipulated to produce odd textures and cartoonish voices. Most songs are abbreviated, skew into others, yeah. though edited snippets of music and dialogue, or are broken into fragments by more snippets, consistently interrupting the album's continuity. Zappa decided to change the album's album's concept to pair. Of the Beatles album because he felt that the Beatles were insincere and only in it for the money. The Beatles and then the Beatles were targeted uh, as a symbol of Zappa's objections. But well, the- I
1: don't know if that Beatles part is accurate or not because he was. F- he became, he was friendly with John Lennon.
2: He asked them, because the album cover is a complete knockoff of. There's two
1: versions of the album cover. Yes, covers. there's yeah, the yeah. four of
2: them dressed like women. Yeah, And then there's the Sergeant Peppers, yeah. which which actually has Jimi Hendrix in it. Yes. It's the human Jimi Hendrix is in the album cover. He actually asked, where do I have that note? He asked, where's was that fucking fact. Uh, so the album cover for this parody is a Sergeant Pepper's cover. Zappa spent $4,000 equivalent to 31200 $31, in 2021 on the photo shoot, which he stated was a direct negative of the Sgt. Pepper album cover. Sergeant Pepper has blue skies. We had a thunderstorm. Jimi Hendrix took part in the photo shoot standing where a wax sculpture of Sonny Liston had appeared on the Beatles album cover. Zappa even phoned McCartney seeking permission for the parody. McCartney told him that it was an issue for business managers, but Zappa responded that the artists themselves were supposed to tell their business managers what to do. Nevertheless, Capitol Records objected and the album's release was delayed for five months. It was decided that the inner sleeve artwork would be the cover and the parody cover would be the interior sleeve out of fear of legal action. Zappa was angered over the decision, but in recent years the album has been re- reissued with the intended front cover.
1: Yeah, I actually I actually like the I like the reverse. I think it's actually a nice surprise when you open a record and then you see it adds for me, it added another layer because it was like, here's this weird cover where they're dressed up like women, but they're not really dressed up like women, you know, and they look miserable and miserable. It's such an odd picture, but it's so interesting. And then you open it and you know, the title and you see this cool. Keith did that a lot. Like, like on the Dr. Doom record, like when you open the Dr. Doom record, there's a picture of him and it says coming soon Rob, Robbie analog. And it was when RZA put out Bobby Digital and Cool Keith was saying that everybody stole his thing for aliases. And yeah. he was clearly talking about Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just, I loved it. I was like, that's to me, that's such a fun like Easter egg that only the fan gets to see. Yeah. Um. So like, oh, you're good. So, um, but yeah, everything they're saying there, it's like it's everything I love about the record. Um, and I think it's great because, you know, Freak Out is the debut record. That's that's a sort of garage band or garage rock protest record. Um, and that, I think, goes far more after the right, you know, with like Trouble Every Day and Who Are the Brain Police and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. This record, to me, was when they swung it in the other direction and really went after the left, the, the, bull, the hippies. yeah, the yeah. bullshit. You yeah,
2: because every song, I mean, there's all the stories. Like where he, I heard some of the lyrics where he's like, you know, I'm gonna go to San Francisco, start a band, and smoke yeah. a lot of pot. And it's like, yeah. it just almost it's just mocking all of that shit.
1: And if you and it's funny if you excise that from the the, the, the time period and the references of that time and apply it to now with both records. It sounds like instead of talking about you know Nixon or whoever and the hippies, it sounds like he's talking about hipsters, hipster culture, uh, and Trump. It's, it's, it's so applicable. Yeah. Uh, and I, I that's the other thing I loved about Zappa. I loved that he went after both sides. Now he certainly was far more, I think nowadays he'd probably be considered a libertarian without the crazy part of the libertarian agenda, mm-hmm. like the crazy fanatical stuff. But that seems to me to be like where he would fall now. But like, you know, in his day, he was certainly, he was I mean, he was a Democrat. I believe he was registered Dem. I think. But my point is, is he was left, not right, but he trashed the left constantly. And I thought that's, that's what was so cool about him. It do was you th- like, if you're gonna do it, do it. Like make that's what that's what makes Carlin fucking awesome. Do you think as you're drawn now?
2: As, I mean, you were you started stand up. Were you were you even you hadn't started stand up by the time when you first got into him, right? Not yet. But did you? Was that something that drew yourself to him? That the fact that he is this satirist, you know, yeah. as a comic. Do you do you see the comedy in I all would, of it? His- uh,
1: the last the last thing. I still play music and I still write music with people and record music and and I'm going to start releasing it again, too. But the last thing I tried to do musically before I started doing stand up was I wanted to create music that had a social commentary to it because of Zappa. And then I realized, wait a minute, I can do this without a band. Yeah, I can just do this on a stage And I don't have to keep ripping my hair out trying to assemble people together with a similar interest. It was just it had just become too hard to do. And I was into my early 20s, but I was old enough that I had to make some sort of a fucking living. And I didn't have the time to do that anymore. I had to work and then in the off hours pursue the other thing that I really wanted to do. And um, that's that's loving Zappa and wanting to do that. And then also, I never in a million years could be as good as Zappa. Sure. So that's part of it too. And I never in a million years could be as good as Carlin, but at least what Carlin did, I was like, okay, I think I can do a version of that because I don't need any instruments or any musicians. Uh, With Zappa, I was like, I need instruments and musicians. Mm -hmm. And then on top of it, which makes it harder, I play drums. I can't even just be acoustic by myself. That always
2: bothered
1: me. Society. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) We need
2: to change.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so, um, and I played saxophone and I hated playing it. So, so that's what, yeah. But yeah, Zappa had a huge push for me into comedy.
2: Yeah. Huge, hugely. Would you call him like the first uh, Weird Al Yankovic? Uh. No. More of an abrasive form, maybe?
1: No, and I... I, See, I th- I, here's the thing. I think that Weird Al is a brilliant guy. Yeah. Like, and I actually... I get bummed... The thing that bumps me out with Weird... Well, it, it's selfish. He's brought a lot of people a lot of joy. Like, God bless Weird Al. He did his thing and it's... Or he does his thing and it's... He's doing great. Um, I always wished... I always wish Weird Al didn't make comedy music. Cause when you, like, if you listen to like, you know, the guy from Devo said he's jealous of Dare to be Stupid. And Weird Al was like, I was just trying to write a Devo song. And the guy from Devo was like, I am jealous of that song. Like if you listen to those early Weird Al records, not, not the very first one, but if you like in 3D and Dare to be Stupid, he does like, he's got like B-52's par- style parodies they're called, because he doesn't parody a song. He just... Does a style, yeah. He's got an Oingo Boingo one, and they're fucking brilliant. And I'm like, I wish this guy fucking... I wish the song wasn't about, like, hot dogs or whatever. <laughs> 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 so, like... Um, so, like, you know, like, Zappa certainly has... There is there is a kernel of that Weird Al thing in there. I think in some of the later records from the 80s he gets a little too self-conscious and, and goofy at times um i don't really like when he goes too far in that direction but certainly not not this record like this record. and even later when he was more obvious with his targets l- like l- like meaning like the sound of the song also mimicked a thing that he was making fun of so he like on cheek your booty he goes after peter frampton mm-hmm. and the first song is called i have been in you i yeah i have been in you and it's the music is clearly like making fun of the music itself is making fun of peter frampton yeah and then the lyrics are making fun of peter frampton because peter frampton had a record called i'm i'm in you and and zappa like and live shows would make fun of that but even then, it's still it's still brilliant, it's still awesome. It's not till, like I said, it's not till the 80s where like, you know, he would do, there were just, and it wasn't a ton of stuff. There was just stuff where I was like, I don't know, like it was like two on the nose. Uh, but that's the great thing about about Whirling It For The Money is, sonically, it's, it's way, over on the other side of the room, and then, but then, if you listen to the lyrics, it's it's right here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, It's it, weirdly timeless.
2: No, it, so it really is. It really is. I mean, I don't know if I would say this is like you said earlier. This is a this is a good record for me to like dive into Zappa with. But luckily, I know enough about music that I can like appreciate it. I don't love it, but I also don't know. It's like I always say about Bob Dylan the way I'm doing Bob Dylan on this podcast is how I'm getting into him, which is I'm starting with all of his later shit when I should be starting with his earlier shit. So you can almost see where he started to see where he's going to go and not see where he went. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm listening to like Bob Dylan. It's like, we're digging on all the, the every song is like time out of, you know, from time out of mind. It's like every song is like eight, nine minutes long. It's very repetitive. It's all about death. It's just, you know, it's just him mumbling. But you, if you go back and you listen to that early shit, you're like, oh, now I appreciate this later stuff because I saw how he's changed. Mm-hmm. You know, this is just a very, very out there record.
0: The number you have reached is
2: 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. Yeah! Right?
1: Yeah! Like the, the
2: Wrath of the Buzzer,
1: WMNS.
2: Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts.
1: Well, you know, and this might be too fine a point on it, but I also wouldn't be surprised if, if if it was in some way accurate to his approach, because I do think Zappa was this sharp and ahead of his time and all this stuff. The weird out of place, can't put your finger on it, undefinable sound of the record allows for the commentary on the record to be timeless. Yeah. So even though he's talking about San Francisco and hippies, the sound of it allows it to be much more applicable across all decades and whatever. You know, if it sounded very of the time and then on top of it it had lyrics about the time, it would sound like every other record that came out at that time that yeah did that this gives it this has this like weird from another planet sound to it and then I think it allows the message to carry uh, for for a greater period of time I believe that I get it. You know, Tom Waits is like that. Like the music is so like. It, the new, like his newer stuff,
2: it's out there. But if yeah. you go back to like, what was a record that we did? The one with, uh, you know, don't call me, baby. Whatever you are. I'm so sorry. The Nighthawks of the Diner. Uh, f- oh, I forget it. I, it's, I'd it's i have to look it up, but it was.
1: Uh, oh, it was a closing time
2: no i feel
1: like his older records are the only ones that get celebrated and i'm like no that's not true people love the later one but i'm like he gets interesting at heart attack and vine because after that comes rain dogs like and 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 um and swordfish trombones it's like that's when it all gets cool yeah
2: i like i liked uh rain dogs a lot this was like this was like one of his i think it's like his. we did his we've done rain dogs we've done uh we did that one that came out in like Oh god, I have to look at all. Probably,
1: I feel like it's got to be night. Everybody always praises Nighthawks at the Diner, and it's like it's a cool record, but like you know, it's when it's when he starts to get weird that it starts to get really fucking cool. I think.
2: So we did, we did Rain Dogs, we did fucking. What is this one? The heart of Saturday night. Heart of
1: Saturday night. I was blank. And we
2: did another one. We did a newer one. He's
1: got three.
2: Oh, this is the 2012 list. We oh, wow. did. Um, fuck. What was that? Why can't I? I just. I have to look through the whole list. It was a newer one. It has bone crusher on
1: it. Oh, bone machine.
2: Bone machine. So it, That's it, a cr- crazy. What is writer. that fucking? It's one. You know what's he? What's he? What's he building, building in there? In there? Yeah. That's a Wait, good is, Tom what's he Waits. building
1: on there on Bone Machine? Or it's, is it on Mule Variations?
2: Mule Variations.
1: I'm not a big fan of
2: Mule Variations. But that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. like, that was, that was, it almost had like a Nine Inch Nails feel to
1: it. Well, yeah, it, it that was the one, that was the first one he did with Brett Gurewitz and Anti, which is Brett's subsidiary of Epitaph, which I thought was very cool. But like, uh, it, that one sounds too, it sounds like homogenized Tom Waits to me. I don't like the sound of the record. I don't like the way it's produced. After that, they put out some really great records, but the two albums before Mule Variations is Bone Machine. Bone Machine is like, again, it sounds like your friend made it in his garage when he was like, out to fucking lunch. Well, that's what Tom used
2: to do. He would like whatever's in the yeah. room became an instrument on the record. So he's banging doors, he's fucking yeah. chopping wood,
1: and it's insane. Yeah, but, uh, but that's yeah. a guy
2: that I'm glad I'm into. I'm glad. I'm glad that. I only thought like people like Jason Momoa and all of his friends that my, my cousin kind of like, you know, was friends with in LA, like they're all dressed like Mumford and Sons. I was like, oh, like I'm not cool enough to listen to Tom Waits. And right. but now, but if, once you go back and you really dig on his shit, you're like, wow, man, like, yeah, I get it now. And I get why why people want to dress like him. And I get why you watch his interviews and he's funny. Like he's right. he killed it on like anytime he's on like Tonight Show or Letterman or Leno whatever the fuck he did he's he very was funny. so funny. And I like that you brought up Zappa and him because I you know I look I don't know enough about Zappa but I I I dig on the fact that it's like this is my introduction mm-hmm. and I'm interested. I want to learn more. I mean we I we, I know we got to get out of here. Because you guys should do, I got shit to do. So let's do, let's just, let's wrap this up. And then I know when you're going to have another Zappa record, I'll bring you back for that. We can, we can finish this conversation. And then I'll bring you back for fucking, if Faith No More was on the list, I'd fucking bring you back in a sec. Oh, that's, in a sec. Um,
1: there's got to be other hip hop records coming up. Yeah, dude. Like old schoolers. We
2: got, well, we got, I mean, coming up next is Kanye. That's, eh. I guess I'm excited. I guess. I mean,
1: he's, he's, he's a brilliant artist I know I can't deny that I know I know he's got a song he's got a song with the game on the new game record and it's fucking awesome
2: I just get mad that with this podcast that that episode is going to get more eyes and listens than most of my other episodes that I do that are in my opinion are like sometimes there are just are just you know palpably better like you, you can feel the conversation and you can feel the music and there's much more interesting stuff it's like well, that's the way
1: it is with everything, though. I know. You know, that's the way it is with everything. Har- Harlan Ellison, the writer, talked about how I have no mouth and I must scream was his most famous story. Like, most. He's like, I wrote that fucking thing in two hours. Like, <laughs> and then he talks about another story. I forget what it is. And he talks about how much work he did uh like on this other story he got little it got like researching whatever he's like nobody ever brings it up everybody always brings up the one and he's just like but he's not mad he's just like that's just what it is man like,
2: i know it's like, that's the way the world know. works all right let's uh let's do the final questions we'll get you out of here um what's your favorite song on this record
1: uh i like concentration moon a lot read me the song list all right um I like concentration mood. I love uh, what's the ugliest part of your body. I think the, the lyric of that is is very beautiful, actually. But... Uh,
2: Morty Morty, and me talked about what's the ugliest part on your body for, for a while. I also love that he brings it back again later in it. I really liked uh, Let's Make the Water Turn Black.
1: That's a great song.
2: And fuck, what was the one I was really fucking... I was really digging on where he's using that high voice... Um. Maybe it was nasal re- No It was so It was so good And it was so different
1: Is Idiot Bastard son on this one?
2: Idiot Bastard yeah, that's Sun's a, on that's it
1: That's a great song That's one that kind of I feel like So let's make the water turn back Black Concentration moon What's No not A little less concentration moon What's the ugliest part of your body Oh take your clothes off When you dance is awesome That was good Um. But But Water and um... son of a bitch. What was the other one I just said? Uh,
2: water. Well, uh, oh,
1: water like that seemed to keep going. Oh, an idiot oh. bastard son. Those dudes, those, those two seem to get the most like throughout the the live shows and stuff that they released. Seem to get the most play out of everything. Are they
2: playing a lot of this? And Zappa plays Zappa. Does
1: this record get a they lot? Play, oh. Uh, I don't know if Zappa plays. Zappa does. I don't remember. Project Object would who who toured with Napoleon Murphy Brock and Ike Willis also who were legendary Zappa front front guys. Mm-hmm. Um, they would play Idiot Bastard Son a lot. I remember um, Zappa. A lot of these songs, like like when he did do them later on, they were like instrumental versions. But it's cool because he did like jazz. He's got a bossa nova version of take your clothes off when you dance. And it fucking sounds like a, like a Carlos Jobim. song. it's amazing.
2: Wow. Yeah. I dig on that. Just
1: understood. It's just, there's just so many layers to all of it. And it's also, what's that word? malle malleable.
2: I know what you're saying. Do you think I know big words, bro? You really think (laughs) I know big words? I'm always like I use palpable all the time because that's it's like my new buzzword. <laughs> um all right, what is what is I know this is a loaded question because sometimes a record's too good, but what what track do you skip over?
1: This isn't one I'll skip over. On. I don't I don't mean that as a suck ass. It's just if I put this record on it's start to finish. Start to finish. That's the experience. I, I think
2: by the you know there are some things that I would skip over, but by they're so short that by the time you're like, "Ah, I want to change this, The song's over. You know what I mean? There's like, there's like 48 seconds, 33 seconds, 52, 57 seconds.
1: This this record, like skipping over a track on this record, would be like fast forwarding through a part of a game show. It's like, dude, this is what you're here for. It's all, it's gonna be a goofy, wild ride. Like, you're gonna, you're, you're gonna skip this. G- I know. You're gonna watch prices right and be like, <laughs> yeah, I don't watch the plinko part. <laughs> it's all
2: part of it. All know? right, all right. Um, this is a two part question. Uh, one, is this a fuckable record? And two, if you have okay, so no, there you go. It's not. But if you have to pick one song off this record to have sex to, what, what is going on in your sex playlist?
1: Uh, Ugliest part of your body because it's so soothing. And again, it has a very beautiful sentiment. I think it's your mind. That's the ugliest part of your body. So. You might be able to get some play off of that. <laughs> Has Zappa ever made its way into your, into your... Do you
2: put music on when you fuck? I feel like you do. I don't
1: I don't like walk over and drop the needle and be like, all right, baby, here we go. Don't put on a record. Like, no, but like, like usually you're at the point of the night where you have music on and you're talking and then that leads into fucking. Yeah. Uh, but you know, no, not like. What's
2: the weirdest song that's been put on, or that something that made you in the middle of sex go, "Holy shit, I can't believe I'm fucking to this song."
1: I don't, I don't, I honestly don't remember, but I do know for a fact, I remember this happening a few times in my life where I have stopped and been like. I have to change this. <laughs> like, this is not working for us, right? Like, like because it's like shuffling through your Sonos. Yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah, <laughs> but I've definitely done that, right. undoubtedly. Um,
2: what would be your elevator pitch to get somebody to listen to this record?
1: Uh, do you do you do you want to hear something unlike probably unlike anything you've ever heard before, but it's also super catchy and will get in your head? Like doesn't that sound fun? Doesn't it sound fun to listen to like the weirdest pop record ever made? Like that to me is what it is. It's yeah. the weirdest pop record ever made. I love it. I, yeah. love it. I love Promote Away.
2: Oh, is that it? That's oh, it. Oh, okay.
1: Well, Joey Roses, my bar and sandwich shop in New York City, please come see us open Tuesday through Sunday. Joeyrosesnyc.com for all the info. I have dates coming up. In October, I'm going to be in North Carolina at the Dead Crow Comedy Club. Uh, And I've got a bunch of other dates after that. Please come see me, JoeDeRosaInfo.com for all dates, tickets, info, blah, 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 blah. And then listen to the podcast, Taste Buds, and we'll see you in hell. Uh, And hopefully my newest podcast, Down with Joe DeRosa, will be out by then.
2: Yes, do it. Follow him, listen to his shit, and eat his sandwiches. Some of the best sandwiches I've ever had. Thank you, buddy. What I tell you, what I tell you, the one and only Joe DeRosa. Follow him on all social media, at Joe DeRosa Comedy. Listen to his podcast, Taste Buds, with Sal Volcano. And for all things Joe, go to his website, JoeDeRosaInfo.com. He's on tour. Let's do it. Listener shout out. I'm giving a shout out to the one and only Mark. Mark, the teacher. Mark, the great. Mark, who blogs about everybody podcast we've done this guy is following us along the ride and he came with his busted foot and all to Toronto to see Josh Adamay do the goddamn comedy jam and I gave him a shout out he looked good he looked good wait so there's crime going on in my neighborhood can you hear it listen I love you Mark I really do man thank you for being a fan of the show man I mean to all you guys anybody that's a fan of the show thank you It, it means a lot to me uh, and if you're anybody that I've talked about and I said, give us your music, we want to play your music, okay? We want to play it because we do this thing, which I'm about to do now, which is where we play music that's influenced by the band. So who do we got this week who was influenced by Mother's Invention? We have San Furman, an American indie rock collective led by Brooklyn-based composer and songwriter Ellis Ludwig Leonette. And you're listening to the song Tired of Loving You off the brand new Your Ghost EP out on Bettercore Records. All the links are on that website I said earlier, the 500podcast.com. Send us your song, we'll play it. 500podcast at gbell.com. Send us your music, send us your music. Next week, this is a good one. Next week is Smith's Week, The Smiths, to be exact. And we're doing Meat is Murder from 1985. So do your homework. Bye. I'm tired of
0: loving you. Once you get to know me. It won't take much time. I can do impressions. But there's always a lie. No, you'd never leave me to love somebody new i don't know why i'm tired at the party and I can't move my feet I wish you'd try to use me do it quick and make it soon I don't know why I'm tired of